how many times have we begun sessions already exhausted? You know, like how many times is that a lot? But it's great to be alive, isn't it, guys? If there's anybody out there who doesn't think it's just so great to be alive, you may as well leave now because the rest of our show is going to be a complete bummer for you. Well, listeners, we're back in the shed, the virtual shed again, virtual through another set of unfortunate circumstances that meant we couldn't sit face to face that is within physical striking distance of each other in the shed. We're here to have a few laughs. So, settle back and listen in. Here we go. Uh, my um, iMac blew up this week. It literally blew up. Oh, was it in use? No, I, I turned it on like unsleeping it, you know, just press the space bar and it goes. Yep. And I turn around, I looked to the back of it. And the main cord coming out of the back was jumping. It was literally jumping. <laughs> so, first be, of all, let me just say that was a terrific imitation of those kind of really scary noises that when the drive is augering in or whenever something electrical is just really going. Wow, that was good. Did smoke issue or? I, I was waiting for it. Wow. No, so anyway, I tell you, maybe tomorrow I'll take it in because I got to get the whatever's on it. I think it's it's obviously done, I think. I phone well, simply computing, but I'll take it in. I mean, that noise that you made, to me, in the old days, if a hard drive, what do they call the, the, the stylus that tries to read the drive? You got your actuator. That's the thing that has the little arms that hold the little magnet. Yeah. Uh, the little sensor, and then and then I don't know what the sensor is called, but it's the uh, the little head. The head, it's yeah. And the, sometimes yeah, yeah. the head will touch down on the surface of the disc, yes. making that kind of noise, right? Because <laughs> the disc spin at about five thousand RPM, and the thing just goes into it. And yeah, I wonder. It'll... This sounds electrical though, because because of the jumping yeah. uh, cable. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah. Well, that's uh, okay. Points I'll to you. you know that's all, all that, but but I, I think I'm just going to not replace it. I'm just going to put that whatever pictures and info I have on there. I'll put on this computer because yeah, I'll miss the big one. But uh, yeah, for sure, I don't need it. Well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things there you can um, for fun. We can we can disassemble it instead of the company. That's I think they'll charge you a couple hundred bucks or something like that. But there's all kinds of instructions on the web on how to take one apart and. If you're not worried about putting it back together, they're quite easy to do and they're kind of fun. <laughs> and they involve a hammer and a chisel. No, they involve a heat a heat gun and. But a I got to get the the info off it. Are can, are you saying that that's easy to do as well? Yeah. Well, yeah. well, what we would do is we'd pull it apart and then we uh, remove the connector from the hard drive inside there, and then uh, I would bring over my dock. It's called a hard drive dock. And then uh, we take your hard drive, we pop, pop it in the dock, and it's a USB thing. So we just plug it into your little MacBook there, and uh, Bob's your uncle. I'll come over and make the video. Yeah, Skinny could come over, or we uh, could make it a party. Just, I'll make the video. I think it'd be great. The Mac that Skin's using right now, it's been opened up a couple times. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling him now, because he's already bought it, right? Damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I looked those videos up too back in the day for some reason. I can't remember. I was daydreaming about doing something. It was probably around this computer. But the whole business of prying that big plate of glass that's the screen away from the backing, 
that's the part where, you know, you just kind of think if I haven't heated it up enough or if I pry a little bit too hard, if that glass goes, it's trouble, yeah. right? And the other thing is that I've never thought it's much risk in terms of breaking the glass. What I The reason I was reticent to do it is because I'm always going to get my greasy fingerprints on the inside of that glass, you know, and then you put the glass back on and then you, for the rest of your life, you can see that <laughs> fingerprint, right? And just like, I give up. So I just paid service providers a couple hundred bucks a shot to do it. Yeah. And then Moby, the other thing is if you like the idea of a big screen, you can just get a nice screen, I think 250 bucks, maybe. You can actually get them cheaper than that. Oh, and just plug my MacBook Air into it. Yeah. Oh. And you could do that a couple different ways. You can just flip your MacBook Air open, so now you have two screens. A lot of people like working that way, and the mouse just moves from screen to screen. So you have different content on each of your screens, so that's kind of nice. Or some people don't like doing that at all, and they just uh, close your MacBook up, and just the screen runs. And mm. so now you basically got a desktop computer. Right. Well, maybe we'll do that, Rich. Maybe we'll do a, a little... Yeah, a little party. Fun little work session. I think it'll be fun. We'll have three or four drinks beforehand <laughs> and get the old heat gun going. <laughs> okay, see how long you can hold your hand under it. <laughs> like six inches. Six inches. That's not six inches. Hold it six inches. Okay, now stay, stay. Yeah, I was down in Las Vegas, which is going to be the last place I'm going to want to go on a vacation. Viva Las Yeah. I did see an Elvis-like guy, you know, <laughs> very vaguely Elvis-like. Pretty sure he was trying. But as we mentioned in an earlier episode, I was going down there to compete in the uh, Las Vegas annual Hall of Fame Classic foosball tournament. And the reason that I was going is because if all things go right, I'm going to compete for Canada and the World Cup in France foosball tournament in uh, starting June 28th. So um, someone had mentioned there was this tournament coming up in Vegas and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to need to get some big time tournament experience because it's totally different than going down to your local bar and playing, even if it's a tournament. And I was leaning towards not going at all. And then so as I was about to make my decision, I decided to do one last Google and I got Tony Fauci, you know, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So Tony says, cause my worries are about COVID. That's why I'm thinking I wouldn't go. Uh, Tony says, you know what? I don't think the U S is going to have a big impact from Omicron because we've been so bad up till now that most of our citizens have already had Omicron. And so I thought, I'm going to go down there and it's probably going to be safer than in Canada. <laughs> so I made the decision to go and I booked and I heard about Flare Airlines. I've never heard of Flare Airlines before. You guys? No. Maybe they only fly certain destinations. They have about, I think, 12 different places they fly to, including lots of Canada locations. They're a budget airline. They're very, very cheap. And so instead of paying like 800 something dollars, uh, I paid 420 after tax, after everything, after the extra fees, I paid extra fees to get cancelable and, um, one item of carry on one item of checked baggage, the whole thing. So I like the idea, actually the whole thing. I saved a lot of money. I even didn't mind the flying hours. You know, the flight left at 6 a.m. 
And then because I couldn't check myself in, I was freaked out. And they said, well, we open up three hours ahead of time. So I was there at 3 a.m. Atta boy, RJ. Way to go. And because I'm a late night person, basically I stayed up through the night. Yeah. (laughs) So at 3 a.m., I'm there. I'm the first person in line. They actually opened around 3.15. And uh, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, I couldn't check in with the app. She said, don't worry, don't worry. We're not going to charge you. Anyway, but... I flew it and it's Flare Airlines, budget airlines. There's not even USB to plug in to charge your phone. <laughs> uh, but it was good. The flights were good. I didn't actually mind. It was weird. I didn't mind. Of course, I slept while flying and then I booked myself a hotel and I repeatedly fended off any efforts from any of the other players to share it. <laughs> <laughs> Had a great trip overall. Really liked it. Did a pre flight COVID test the day before. And the woman on that told me I, I sounded like I was on the radio. Nice. Yeah, I had that morning voice. I don't think I'd spoken hardly at all. And it was just like that voice, right? And he, I even broke into that. So, right, folks, don't touch that dial. She was just smiling and laughing. You just sound, you should be on the radio. She's going, <laughs> I've never had that before. So I make it down there and had a whole day before the tournament. So I broke my readers. So I, I walked to the uh, dollar store, 25 minutes through the old kind of burnt out parts of downtown Las Vegas. It was a really cool daytime walk. Wouldn't want to do it at night, but some really old like art that was almost celebrating that it was all run down and beat up. Made me think of that old movie, one from the heart, Francis Ford Coppola set in Las Vegas beautifully visually but but was not considered a great movie but yeah didn't that thing just absolutely tank i think it did that's right yeah i think it had frederick forrest and terry gar and i actually liked it i've seen it like three times but nobody else liked it so i don't think i ever watched it well it's beautiful uh visually but that's about it so anyway um there it was so i walked to the dollar store i walked the fremont experience at during the daytime, Moby, you were there. During the daytime, it is CD. Like the, none of the lights are lit up and there's this kind of grunge and um, women in extremely skimpy clothing and buskers trying to get people interested. And it's just like a, <laughs> a little off, you know, and it's, and I'm not a big Vegas fan. I just didn't feel great. Uh, but the, the further I got out of that and into the old, old Vegas rundown, beautiful artwork, I'll, I'll post some, uh, some pictures in an album, uh, with this episode. So I got my readers, I got my little reading glasses cord that goes around my neck and I spent the entire <laughs> tournament all the time. I was old man with readers. This is great. Oh, was this your sandbagging ploy to have the readers dangling around your neck so you look? No, it just meant that I could actually read stuff on my phone and, <laughs> and read the fine print on whatever I needed. Actually, I think I've graduated now or demoted myself to a guy that wears readers around his neck. And then, uh, yeah, so I headed down the dollar store. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Quite a ways back there, you said if everything goes right, you're going to go to the worlds and i would like you to clarify whether or not goes right has anything to do with this tournament really because like it almost sounded like this tournament was a qualifier for that nope nope this one's completely unrelated it's just i wanted to get some tournament experience okay so one question are you going to have team jackets that's important 
Yeah, there's there's team jerseys every year, and they already sent us examples to vote on. Whoa. And uh, some people wanted to reuse their old jerseys, but I think that won't work out because there's actually sponsors too. So unless they get the exact same sponsors, we would have to all do new jerseys. But it is cool having jerseys. I mean, uh, the top players down at Vegas who won expert doubles are uh, Linda Lee and Brian Lepke, both from, I think, Calgary. And uh, so they won the entire Las Vegas expert doubles tournament. Awesome players. And Linda was wearing her Canada jersey, so it looked really cool. Way to go, Linda. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I'm willing to sign up as your ninth guy, as long as there's jerseys. (laughs) Okay. And then if there's... You know, if they're going to be contention for the spot, let's have a skating backwards contest. Nice. And then just everybody has to swear up and down they won't get sick or anything so that I don't actually have to play because that would be disastrous. For sure. No, the only thing that makes me think that France might happen is this war in Ukraine. Oh, that. Both France and uh, Germany have talked about uh, rationing fuel and, you know, having some... You know, once you have those sorts of measures, you don't really want uh, tourists in the country. So there's that. There's who knows what will happen with the next wave of COVID. So, you know, I think the whole France thing could be in question. Okay, so that's that remark about if everything goes right, just referred to general geopolitical instability yeah. and everything, world events. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, who do, what, what do the sponsors do for you? Do they do anything like personally like travel or anything? Or jerseys. is it it all? Is it just jerseys? Yeah, really. <laughs> I actually don't know. I suspect you're probably right. I suspect it's something as small as they will pay for our jerseys. There must be. You guys must have to pay for the tournament itself, like an entry fee. Yeah, the team pays. I think a hundred euros total, uh, and that's covered by the Canadian Federation. I wonder how much I'd have to pony up to get my name on a jersey as a sponsor. I think you could. Yeah, like 25 bucks and I'd have my name on nine jerseys. How about Shed Dogs sponsor? (laughs) What do you think? Uh, Where are we at in the accounts? I I need to know that first. Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk to our... Find the minimum. Find the minimum sponsor payment. That's a great idea, actually, though. Well, that would be really cool if we, you know, I, I'm sure it's way out of our range, but wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. To get a logo and shed dogs on that, that would be terrific, actually. That's a very exciting prospect. So anyway, I was at first somewhat disheartened because I didn't play all that great. But as the tournament went on and on, uh, my play levels got better and better. I uh, played some pretty good defense, largely. And I learned a lot, actually, as I went through. And I've been practicing since, and it's helped me quite a bit. Plus, uh, it was a great group of people down there, so I just had fun being with them. But uh, my just quickly rundown, I played with a guy named Paul G. out of Regina, amateur doubles, and he played great. I played not bad at all. Yeah, so Paul and I finished 13-16 out of 63 teams, so kind of like the 25th percentile. And we won one, lost one. Once you lose one, you got to work really hard because you're on the loser's side. You got to play somebody else from the loser's side. Then you got to play someone who just came down from the winner's side. Then someone else from the loser's side. You're basically playing. Does this happen in curling or other tournaments? Yep. Double knockout? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but anyway, Paul's a great partner. A really nice guy. We'd switch 
we decide when to switch and we had good strategy. Anyway, amateur singles, I was out in two. I lost to a guy from Boise. I actually outclassed him in every aspect except winning. <laughs> Plus he was from Boise. That had to sting. No, the Boise guys were great. There were seven or eight guys from Boise. <laughs> And everywhere they showed up, they're super social. I'd be standing watching, where are you from? I'm from Boise. How many of you down here? Well, just seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> they're nice guys. Uh, anyway, so yeah, expert doubles with Artu Valimaki from Finland. Great guy, really strong player. Uh, we finished about 33rd percentile there. So better than average for him that was probably his worst showing though <laughs> so uh, again i played goal and he played forward we had fun the guy that put us out was my partner in pro doubles Ooh. who's uh who's a high-end player from uh from tennessee named john cunningham when he played with me he was pretty good when he played against me he was just amazing <laughs> <laughs> so he is scoring 90% on me, which put my partner in kind of a difficult situation. You know, the, it's kind of hard when you're, but, uh, <laughs> when your goalie can't stop a beach ball, your forward skills don't matter for much. Right. So at the end of it, you know, it was a good match. We had fun. It was fine. You know, it was all good. Shaking hands after I'm going, John, what was I doing wrong? And John was none of one of those animal players who cannot analyze. Oh yeah. 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 You know, he sees the whole, he shoots it kind of guy. Yeah. Or he doesn't even know what he's, he's just like firing all yeah. the cylinders. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, I did that a few times, asked the teams, okay, so how can I improve? And I got some pretty good advice along the way. So very useful. Played in handicap doubles with uh, Nico Serena from Slovakia. He says they make better burgers in Slovakia than they do in Canada. Interesting. That's probably true. Yeah, factoid I... for you. Uh, yeah, we were out in one. Uh, open singles, I was out in two. Like the open means the best, right? The top. Yeah. And I, I, I lost to Brandon Moreland, who was in the finals of open doubles. And I actually took a game off Brandon. Uh, but then he won the next two, so that knocked me out. Pro doubles with John Cunningham from Tennessee. Pro singles, I was out in two. I lost to Midori Kimura. She won first in women's open doubles and first in women's open singles. And she also won first in designated mix. She, she's probably pretty hot player then. She's a great player. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Right there. You know, I, I lose a lot to women. The thing is that I don't come in with a male attitude. It would probably help me if I was more of a kind of a sexist guy. Like if I came in there because good, I'm playing a woman. That, you know, that might... <laughs> That might actually benefit me if I had that attitude, right? Why? Because you'd be all incensed when they started beating you? No, because... play better? Be, no, because maybe I would have more confidence oh, going in. Because yeah. I knew, I, I lost to three different women in this tournament, and I I knew each of those players, I'd watch them play, and I could see, oh, they, these are good players, right? But anyway, Midori is uh, uh, really, really strong forward and, and a good goalie. And in singles... She could shoot well from the goal and the singles that's that, that can kill you. So in senior doubles, we won one and lost one. I played with Jerry from, from here in town and that was it. So, you know, overall, uh, not a strong showing did well with a couple strong forwards, but yeah, I learned a lot. I played a lot better goalie and I've decided to work on a different shot from forward because it's a push kick 
it's a shot that's not very common and it's a shot my shot my forward shot is hard to maintain over seven days hmm. it takes a lot of muscle it takes a lot of energy and if you lose it you lose it and if you lose it you're not even hitting the goal so if you're not well, hitting the goal you're not even getting lucky shots so I guess at the very least develop a plan B shot. Yeah. So I've been like a really big plan B shot. I've been working on a pull shot and having fun with it. I've even been working on a rollover, which is a special, which is the shot that's most common now. Um, where is that you, where you spin the guys? Yeah. Kinda? You, you almost spin the guys. Yeah. You pin, you t- put your front pin. It's hard to describe. Maybe I'll, I'll put a link to a rollover shooter in the in the show notes <laughs> just so you can watch it rather than trying to describe it much but you spin just under 360 degrees yeah before yeah. striking the ball so it yeah. stays it stays legal yeah yeah so didn't you play with some guy with he had some wiggy name like townsend oh yeah townsend, townsend. smithson or something yeah. it's a really crazy name yeah yeah townsend was a really cool guy and that was in the Wednesday Draw Your Partner, which I'm missing here. Go. But uh, anyway, Townsend and I, we won our first match, maybe lost our next two. What was his last name, though? Townsend what? It's Townsend Saunders. There you go. Townsend Saunders. And Townsend works just... in sales for ZipRecruiter. Oh, boy. You've probably heard ads for ZipRecruiter. So what he does is sales into companies, you know, like an ICBC or whatever. So he sells to the enterprise, say, why you should use ZipRecruiter. Yeah. And yeah. and he's super personable. So you could just tell that he's good at sales. Like he's just a nice guy and, and he's not afraid to talk. So I just feel like he should be wearing a cravat and a smoking jacket at all times. Yeah, he doesn't look at all like that. He looks more like if you think of Towns Van Zant. <laughs> yeah, uh, nice. That's a cool guy. Nice. Um, okay, so we're one quarter of the way through my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, this and that happened on the trip. We we did a lot of kind of dinners together. Oh, what happened like early in was one of the players who flew down from here, who shall not be named, called me the second morning, said I got bad news. I just tested positive for COVID. I'm like, What? Because he tested negative the day before going down because you're required to test, but he tested positive. So what it was, was I think he had some minor symptoms going down, but he still tested negative. So he just kind of shrugged it off thinking, yeah, it's a cold or whatever. Or in hindsight, he and me and everybody's going, you should have stayed up here. You should never have come down. Because from then on, we all had to start testing ourselves. You know, I Mm. had to go by myself to two for $24 at Walgreens, buy myself a couple testing kits and just started testing. I tested myself one day, uh, clean and then tested myself 48 hours later, clean. And you know, everybody's testing, nobody else is getting symptoms. So it's all good. So anyway, we continue on and we're just doing dinners together. We're eating out. I'm throwing money because food's so expensive down there. But I checked my budget at the end and it was just what we expected I'd spend on food. So it's okay. But we're going one night, it's got to, oh, we have to have surf and turf, you know, really important, right? So we go there at 10 o'clock at night and nope, the lineup's too long. So I heroically get us into the next casino over and they, oh, yep, we'll set a table for you. And we get in there and as we're walking in, I see these, you know, 
banks of beautiful old wine bottles and <laughs> I'm, thinking, oh. I'm thinking oh this is not looking good yeah. we all sit down and it's a very tidy little nicely set table and they hand us the menus they're the kind of menus that don't have the dollar sign before the price yeah yeah, yeah. because you're too cool to overtly acknowledge something as crass as dollars that's right it's and there's no point zero zero after the price it's just a number yeah <laughs> you know oh. like surf and turf 105 <laughs> yeah us was it really 105 yes Oh, so we're all okay let's get up and we're all getting up and walking out and they're going no problem no problem they understand i think they've seen that before yeah yeah wow so we end up having burgers that night and i got a nice photo of us having burgers um yeah and then um uh one day i went to the uh just on my on my own i just went out looking for a mall and went down to the strip and while i'm out there's a dust storm alert you know your phone beeps at you and there's a great oh, wow. big dust storm, dust storm coming, take cover, don't be outside, you know. Wow, really? I didn't yeah. even know that was a thing yeah, at all. I, I texted Glenn and he said, oh yeah, yeah, you got to get out of that because they drove through one once and they had to pull over and park and it was scary as hell because you got stuff blowing hard at you. He says it's worse than a snowstorm. Because not only do you not have visibility, but who knows what's going to hit your car, right? So now, uh, uh, you know, I got that beep. I'd already called an Uber to head down to the strip. He showed up. I went ahead and took the Uber. Chatted with him. He said, oh, yeah, they can be really bad. So then I start kind of walking up the strip, looking at stuff, seeing the sights, taking photos. Actually, I I stopped first at T-Mobile Arena to buy Sue a uh, Las Vegas Knights mug. <laughs> which was greatly appreciated. She mentioned it, but I I did that thing where I pretend not to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so she was quite surprised when she got it. It is a really cool mug. And then I'm walking up the strip and I'm starting to bend and the, the, the winds are gusting. So oh. I'm going, okay, that's it. So I got to call an Uber to get back to my hotel. And uh, down there, it's hard to figure out where you're even going to go to pick up your uber because it goes okay pick you up in the tropicana lobby what's that mean yeah some guy's gonna come into the lobby no it means that off the lobby there's a great big traffic loop that's underground that you have to figure out where it is and you find a sign that says uber here and so anyway made my got back to the hotel and the dust storm never did materialize Oh, too bad, because I was kind of waiting to hear about that. I just have never even heard of that as a thing in Vegas before. Yeah, well, in Nevada, for sure. So whether there was a dust storm, but just out of town, who knows. But uh, in the meantime, when I was having this adventure, the the boys were off uh, at the firing range. So that sounded like a cool thing to do, too. But Sue wants to go to a firing range someday. So I decided to opt. Yeah, I thought I'd opt out of that so we could both experience a firing range together for our first time if you ever do that make sure you get the video on that for sure Mm -hmm. yeah fire the barrett 50 caliber sniper rifle the one that kicks so hard it breaks your shoulder right well yeah cam was telling me uh he's one of the other players uh they were down it was 150 dollars us and they get to do three so it's kind of pricey really but it's an experience you three weapons so you can choose, like if you choose a dirty Harry, like a 45, mm. whatever it is, you only get to fire five rounds. 
Um, but so he chose a Glock something and he could fire 20 rounds. Yeah. And they're basically saying, you know, you don't, don't get disheartened. You know, you, you think you're going to be a bullseye shooter, but you're not going to be a bullseye shooter. So, so Cam and uh, Dan, who are partners at the foosball tournament and did extremely well in every event they did, they're like typically in the top eight or something like that. Um, they just hit bullseye after bullseye after bullseye. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, too. really? He, he said, to be fair, because they're kind of beginners, they did let them stand. I bet you they're only like 15 or 20 feet away from the, the target. Yeah, or something. But, but handguns are notoriously inaccurate. Yeah. Right? yeah like yeah. they're really not known as you got to be within 10 or 15 feet of somebody to actually hit them with it. That yeah. is what I you always read anyways. Yeah. And one of his other weapons, Cam's? A Thompson submachine gun. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Butter, butter, butter. <laughs> yeah. My TV, my TV. Butter, 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 butter. And lots of interesting people. I met a Boston bus driver when I was checking in at the Four Queens the second time. And so I was going to tell him, oh, yeah, I could tell you're from Boston. But he's, <laughs> but I can't get a word in edgewise. And he's talking about bus driving. And he says, you know, because I'm from Boston, he goes, <laughs> Okay, darn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he drives one of those great big articulated buses and he was talking about, you know, how uh, interesting it can be driving one of those things. So that was fun. And uh, then I was talking to a lady in a gift shop and I'm going, um, so uh, so what do you do for a living? She says, well, I used to be a flight attendant. I was a flight attendant for 20 years. And I'm going, ah, oh, was that as uh, interesting as I've heard it is? She goes, oh Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, you hear about, like, basically, it's a partying lifestyle, the flight mm. attendant. So she talked about that, and she talked about watching the TV series, The Flight Attendant. I don't know the series. It's a great series. Season two is just coming up now, April 20th, I think. And uh, Kaylee Kowoko plays uh, The Flight Attendant, and she's a partier. Uh, Rosie Perez is the other flight attendant. But Kaylee Kowoko gets drunk half the time while she's flying, right? So... Uh, I was told, no, that actually doesn't happen much. And if you think about it, you would have noticed if your flight attendant was drunk and they wouldn't keep their job. But anyway, and, uh, on my last day, I wanted a milkshake. I'd already, uh, had dinner with another player and it was time. I thought I'd get myself a milkshake. So I just go to a, a block down the Fremont experience. I look, Oh, they serve milkshakes in here. I go in and every waitress, they're all waitresses. There's no waiters. They're all dressed as nurses. <laughs> and the place is called the heart attack. <laughs> they pride themselves on how bad the food is for you, how heavy it is in fats. Yeah. If you're over 350 pounds, you can eat for free. But I oh, went you're in, kidding. Yeah. And you're, it, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you consume over a certain amount, too, you just get it for free. So it's just a little bit crazy. It's just very Las Vegas. Yeah. And so I go in there. All I want is something to go. So so the uh, nurse takes my order, and she heads back there and uh, gets me a milkshake to go. And the only milkshake on the menu is vanilla, but it's got a great big brownie, fudge brownie, broken into four pieces, and a big slab of butter they just put on the top. Just like, I think, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. But then I noticed that the thing about it is that it's not just that the waitresses are dressed as nurses. I didn't go in, you know, I was, I stayed out. I was in the check-in area. Yeah. But once you go in the check, past the check-in area, you have to go through a change room 
and put on a hospital gown. <laughs> and I'm looking. And if you eat too much, they got a wheelchair. Jeez. It's just, it's just so Las Vegas. Oh, I ate at White Castle as well. You guys ever eat there? No, but I've, I've certainly heard of it, you know. I highly, I highly recommend never eating in there. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's really old White Castle. The chain, I think has been there since 1920 or something. Maybe it was pretty good at one point, but now all you can buy is sliders. Uh And if you're into sliders, okay. I'm just not into sliders. It's just like, it's just, just, you know, nothing anyway, but now I've experienced White Castle. So I even enjoyed it because I experienced it. Um, so that's good. So then I flew home on Flair Airlines. It wasn't quite an early morning flight. We were all worried about uh, how the player, would he come home on the same flight with us? But I think the number of days that went by since his first set of symptoms, whatever rationale, he ended up on the plane with us. So we get home and the next night, in the middle of the night, I wake up and I've got a cough. (laughs) And so I'm going, well, that's interesting. And so did you immediately assume? Yeah, I wasn't, I thought this is not good. And then I talked, I told Sue the next morning, she goes, you know, the Canucks, a lot of them are coming down with the flu. So I latch onto that. I think, oh good, maybe I've got the flu. Maybe finally the flu is starting to go around. Um, So, and I test myself and I come out negative test myself and I come out negative another day. I think I test myself daily and I'd read that you should test yourself by swabbing the inside of your cheeks and the back of your throat. You know, I read your reference to that and I sort of started thinking about what do the instructions on the thing say? They don't say that. No. So the instructions on the thing are really clear. They say, look, put it in your nose. It just goes in your nose. It's only been tested with your nose. We don't commit to it working with any other kind of samples, you know? So that's what kept me from doing that. The thing is those tests though, they were developed back in the Delta days. Yeah. And so it's a long cycle, right? You develop a test kit, you figure it out. You you go through a huge amount of work on the instructions. They got to be crystal clear because it's a home test kit. Well, and jobs and money are riding on it, right? Like it's important to be as right as it can be which is what leads me to wonder about why would I go fishing up in my cheeks and between my toes and wherever else you went looking. Right. And I mean, but this article says Omicron's different. It's not so prevalent in your nostrils. It's very prevalent in your mouth. So, so do it different. And so, and also at the same time, Hannah had read that article and, and told Sue, told me, Hey, you know, you should be doing it this other way. Right. So, So I test the other way. I swab the inside of my cheeks, the back of my tongue, and as best as I could, my tonsils. But that's a pointy stick. So (laughs) I don't know. Can you say gag reflex? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I did my best I can and tested. And there it is, a faint line. And it says, even if it's a super faint line, a line, no matter how faint is the wording, you've got COVID. Mm. So, and also... There are no false positives. There's lots of false negatives with these, as I found out. But false positives, highly, highly unlikely. So, Which makes sense, right? Like because of the consequences of a positive, they want to be pretty sure that it's actually positive. Yeah. So I I caught the COVID. Uh, Technically, today is five days after my first symptom. 
So we could have done this in the shed, except for one problem. I happened to have come back from the States, which is where I caught it, from a Canadian. Fauci was right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because I've traveled from the States, I'm under federal jurisdiction and under penalty of a $5,000 fine, I have to have a 10-day isolation period from my data first symptoms. Yeah. So, so which which is was I believe that was set in the very first days of COVID in in sort of March April of 2020 that 10 day limit. Yeah. And I mean the feds, know, so, the feds could change it but they haven't changed it yet and it specifically says in the arrive can materials hey mm. doesn't matter what your province thinks you got to follow our our rules. And I called in their uh, their number to report my positive, and it was just IVR. It was just uh, automated, mm. everything. Like it would just ask me a question, and I would say yes or no, or key in one or two. And uh, so I reported that I was positive, and they said, "Okay, make sure that you isolate." So anyway, I've done my duty and reported to the feds. And in theory, someone from the feds could call me, but in reality, they don't have that kind of manpower. No, and they also know that the 10-day limit is probably excessive, but they just cannot. I'm sure the decision somewhere was to just leave it because the next variant may require actually that long to be sure about and may have more severe consequences, so just leave it. So I do have trailing symptoms, Um, not much though. And so I'm like you, Skinny, and probably like most Canadians who may not even know it. But anyway, it's nice to know I've had COVID. It's nice to know I haven't had any of those kind of symptoms that are a long-term worry, Mm. like loss of smell or any of that kind of stuff. Because if we do go to France, it's good to know that not only have I had a booster, which is now going to be like four, four months ago by the time we get to France, but I've had COVID Omicron. So that, that's just one extra layer of defense. Well, good. So you made it back. You're recovering. You don't think you're going to suffer a long-term effects. So what's new with you guys? Hey, Moby, when's your trip? Uh, Canceled. Aww. They went Zoom on us. But there is a second season coming, and they've checked my availability. Oh, fantastic. That is fantastic. I'm not sure if it's fantastic. I, I, I don't expect much because it says that their intention is to use the original cast, but it will be a completely different. Everybody, there will be no characters that, that move from one uh, season to the next. So it'll be a completely different story. So I'm not sure. It And it, I think rehearsals actually start in May. So uh, I guess I'll know pretty soon about that. Here's wow. hoping. You never so know. listeners, as you hear this, KJ will be getting those answers. It's very exciting. That is kind of paradoxical, isn't it? Like no characters will flow through, but what's your availability? Uh, it may be as simple as you get to play a different character, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. It may Just be, like yeah. Black Mirror and those things. You know, they did like eight episodes and you saw the same actors, but they were constantly different. Yeah. Who knows? Been watching lots of MSNBC? Uh, no, because Rachel was gone. Oh, right. She was on hiatus. She's back now. She's doing Monday to Thursday this month, and then next month she goes weekly, just Monday nights. Is that just her choice to... Yeah, she's spreading her wings. So she's got a podcast. She's got little projects. She's got going all over the place. It, it sounds like her podcast is rather successful. So I think podcasts are still growing, right? Yeah. 
And I think it's super appealing because there's a lot less to hosting a podcast than there is to running oh God, a, da- yeah. a daily TV show. And especially with um, th- th- those guys, like Chris Hayes has one as well. And I think that they're really comfortable because of their knowledge base. They can just sit down with somebody who they're interested in on a topic that they know and probably have read the guy and just talk right they don't have to i mean they might have some notes but it's not like he's got writers behind him and all that and uh, they can just do it so yeah it's pretty cool yeah and the news is not terribly fun right it's just uh like no it's, they're getting away from it now but if you got a full 40 minutes to start an hour of ukraine it's it's just it's just not encouraging in, in, in all sorts of factors right and so i'm just not watching a lot of it Feels really bad to watch that yeah. or to read about it. I was going to say it's better than hearing about Donald Trump this and Donald Trump that, but it it's it's not better in the sense that people are suffering so much. Yeah. yeah. We're starting to get news about midterms now, you know, so the lead up to the midterms, and that's that looks sort of, that, that's what I'm sort of concentrating on these days. It seems to be more interesting and things are going on and. Yeah, so for the midterms, is it looking pretty ugly, or is there hope? Well, the one hope is, this is just in the last couple of days, that people in the Republican Party are saying that if they don't get 230 in the House, which is a comfortable uh, majority, if they get less than 230, the Marjorie Taylor Greene factor, because there's about 10 of those people there, right? Yep. who would pull the Republicans away from their agenda. And under 230, they say they're not going to be very productive as, you know, the House is usually quite productive if they have the majority. So that's encouraging. And I, But I don't know what it is. Is it gerrymandering? Is it the stop the vote? All that stuff that's going on that's going to give the Republicans the House in November? Because a lot of people sure think it's a done deal. Well, regardless of reason, isn't it super common? Whoever is in power loses seats in the House in the midterms. They say it is a vote on the first two years of the president or a vote on the party. And so why uh, is Biden, and actually Harris as well, but Biden most of all, why is he so unpopular? Oh, uh, I got to say disinformation, but uh, who knows? The other thing is, is that what are the Democrats going to do before? Because actually coming right up, the January 6th committee is going to make some sort of recommendations. I read this um, professor of Italian studies and history at NYU, and she talks about authoritarians and that they don't ever stop, Right. She predicted no. that, that Trump would not literally, like, he, he wouldn't lose the election or he would never concede that he lost the election. He just goes on and on and on. The only way to stop them, as in Berlusconi in Italy, is to convict them and put them in jail. So we can always hope for that because there's the January 6th committee, not that they can prosecute, but uh, there's the AG in New York and... There's all sorts of things going on. So I, I have a feeling that the Democrats are going to save some stuff up for the summer to drop some bombs Yeah, um, just to pump up the election. Yeah, there's always that hope. That's what I'm hoping. But 
the Republicans will have that kind of stuff stowed away as well. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Even worse. Yeah, and the thing about throwing Trump in jail is um, it's almost certainly deserved. Oh, it's the backlash too, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a backlash. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, well, this is fair game. Let's convict Biden of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that does require the cooperation of prosecutors. So uh, thankfully the prosecutors are not part of the, anyway, there's a lot of risk involved in throwing a, a leader in jail. The other thing is, is that they're, t- they're talking, they'll flip the house, which is a natural thing, but they're not talking about the Senate at all for whatever Why? reason. And the Senate is actually closer to the house. So maybe there's hope for the Senate. Maybe it's because of certain retiring senators that are on, on different in the different camps. Hmm. And the other thing about the midterms is there's a lot of governors elected. So that'll uh, sort of change the landscape quite a bit in America because that's where authoritarian power is actually manifested most because they control, the Republicans control so many of, like outright, the legislatures. And in the blue states, they're all a little bit iffier, I, I think. I don't know. Right. Anyway. And and yeah, it's in the states where they can have those draconian uh, laws like yeah. forbidding women to have abortions. Yeah, yeah. Et cetera, for, for, et cetera. For, yeah, forbidding a woman to cross a state line to some other state to have an abortion. Like, they're just going the distance. Well, yeah, in the last uh, couple of weeks, somebody was uh, charged with murder for having an abortion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It did get thrown out, but just the mm-hmm. fact that somebody actually wrote that down on paper somewhere. Yikes, America. Okay, Skinny, what's new with you? Not much, actually. Okay, and that brings us... <laughs> yeah, you just move right on, because not much. I'm trying to think, but nothing's happening, as they say. And I've been riding, but the weather's getting a little bit more, so you can take a bike ride, so we're doing Good. a little of that, but... You know, really, but there's frickin' cold though. A what? Oh yeah, Jeebus. They're calling for a blisteringly hot summer. Of course they are. Oh yeah, I believe it. In British Columbia, I mean Vegas was uh, nice and toasty, but nothing like the heat dome last year. Well, when we went there, it was forty-five degrees, I believe, in Las Vegas. If it ever got to be forty-five in Vancouver, which it pretty much did last year. Yeah. It's just crushing, like mm-hmm. just awful. It's not so bad in those desert states, but here. I have a little thing for you. I don't know if it's of any real interest, but uh, somewhere in our checkered past, we helpfully provided our listeners with information about how to build a home-built air purifier. I think we talked about that. Yeah, that's right. You know, a steel uh, box fan and a HEPA filter taped to the outside. Well, the other day... Interestingly to me, at least, I saw sort of an alternate design for that where you take that same box fan and you tape four HEPA filters to each side of it extending downward. So the fan draws air in from all sides through these four filters that it's essentially standing on. Like if you imagine a box, the fan is the top of the box and the four sides of the box touching the floor are the filters Mm-hmm. And it just draws all that air through those filters and then pushes clean air out the top. I thought, that's oh, right. that's yeah, kind of cool. The fan points upwards. Yeah. And, and uh, it's less work for the fan because yeah. it's spreading all that intake over four filters instead of one. Yeah, I, th- I thought yeah. it was a great idea. So I might yeah. get all excited and try that just for fun, really, more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but for people with allergies and stuff, like I, that's a thing I constantly forget about because I've been really lucky to not have allergies. But man, oh man, again, with age, you see people our age who really struggle with uh, allergies and you just sort of think, oh, am I ever glad am I not having to deal with that? There's enough just regular aches and pains. You don't really need to have a seasonal thing that every year is just a big burden. And one of those filter deals probably would help quite a bit inside somebody's home. I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, just it means, a thing. It means another smoky summer, doesn't it? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I guess it's just the norm, is it? Is that what we conclude here in the science labs of a Shed Dog Enterprises? We've just the norm, yep. Now. Yeah, it's starting to feel like it now, yeah. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Anybody watch Inventing Anna yet? Did you mention three and they're all on, on fraud or scams? Fraud. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to figure out why am I drawn to that? What, <laughs> what would, no, what would draw a person to wanting to watch fraud shows? Oh, I'm going to suggest it's the same thing that draws people to want to hear bad news on the radio. 53 people were killed in a freak act. You know, that's the reason that information is attractive to people because they just think, oh man, I'm glad that wasn't me. And it's the same with fraud stuff. Other people's suffering is entertaining. Or is it, the, the whole revenge aspect, you like to see people get caught and then you like to see them get convicted. And so it's just like any crime show, you're waiting until they get caught. Is that yeah. part of it? Yeah, no doubt. And yes, you want to arm yourself with knowledge so you don't become a victim and stuff like yeah. that. But Yeah, I guess for myself, that those are the two big ones. For some reason, I've always been interested in reading about fraud, being aware of fraud, and that's part of it, like the skeptic in me is mm. like being able to spot when someone's time, trying to take you for a ride is yeah. seems to be very important to me. Although some of these are kind of like the protagonists or the fraudsters. Mm. So Anna Delvey, her name was Anna Sorokin. She's from Russia. Her parents, uh, working class parents moved to Germany. So immigrated there. So Anna grew up in Germany. Her father, I think was a truck driver. And she made her way over to New York City. And once she was in New York City, she told everyone that she was an heiress, German. Her last name was Delvey. She chose the name Delvey just because she thought it sounded kind of (laughs) classy. And she's one of those people, you know, people who are comfortable doing stuff, Mm. sketchy things. Mm. You know, you read about people or even even meet people that say, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't bother I didn't bother reporting that income or, you know, there's just things. Uh, some things are on the border and they're very comfortable doing that. I, I have some things like that myself, you know, like, I mean, let me confess, you know, I will cross a street between crosswalks. What? Yeah. So I got stuff like that. We all actually have stuff Where's like that. Where's my phone? I got to call 911. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has some stuff. I'm just pointing out something that I think I can get away with saying, right? But we've, we've <laughs> what, you mean there's way deeper crimes that you routinely commit that very, you're not mentioning? Is that what it is? Very deep murder, most foul. <laughs> uh, but I don't want to talk anymore about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is kind of interesting. So you watch people like, so she, what she would do is, and, and actually two of these uh, fraud shows I saw would be the person would 
pay lavish amounts to other people, take them on a private jet, you know, buy the drinks, do the round of drinks. And then the MO is like a sudden frantic call. I'm, I'm doing this business deal. And because it's such a big business deal, there's a period where my assets are frozen for security reasons. Can you please charge this for me? Mm. And so, yeah, the, the Tinder swindler was another one where the, the dude is uh, taking these women on private flights to Paris. And then the next thing you know, they're getting the women to empty their credit cards. And what's really happening is the guy is taking the next woman <laughs> on a thing. And so it's kind of like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And that, you know, they're, have, they're living the fabulous life and getting previous girlfriends who think they're still a girlfriend to fund the next girlfriend. And just these people are psychopaths. <laughs> Don't be afraid to tell us what you think. No, what do you think uh, a psychopath is and how does that differentiate from a sociopath? Do I don't know. I thought a sociopath was somebody who absolutely had no ability to empathize whatsoever with anybody else's feelings or thoughts or the impacts of their actions on just anybody or anything. Whereas I thought a psychopath was somebody who avidly imagined negative impacts that they could have on other people and acted to have those impacts. I, I don't know though. I really yeah. don't know, but yeah. Cause in my mind, having heard those terms many, many times over the decades, I've thought that a psychopath is the worst, right? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But it, it seems to be a little different than that. Like uh, a sociopath, there's, there's a spectrum of course, but if you're a hundred percent sociopath, you have no ability to hide it. <laughs> Psychopaths are extremely good at hiding it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you got okay. your maybe serial killers and stuff like that who are able to kind of, you know, whoa, who would have ever thought that old yeah, Bob yeah. there, you know? So, yeah. yeah so I think, I think a lot of these people are psychopaths in that they really have no empathy for other people whatsoever, but they're kind of aware of it. And yeah. they're, yeah, they very, have a mechanical very, awareness, but not an emotional one. Yeah, and they're, they're able to hide it and to do all the right things to kind of pull off what they're doing. Well, so. Every time I hear those kinds of things, I can only view them through my own kind of lens. And you just sort of think, is all that stress really worth it? They, they just, they don't feel that stress. For them, it's just... It's fun. It, it's just not stressful. They don't think it's difficult they just if somebody doesn't work out or refuses to send the money it's just is no big deal they just move on and if they go to jail i guess probably they just figure well i'll just manipulate people in jail until i get out and yeah yeah you know like they just don't care anna delvey was in jail for quite a while anna sorokin and you know she's just still whenever she has a visitor, she manages to put on these fancy, uh, Armani glasses or whatever. Yeah. Like she looks, she tries to look all stylish and, um, anyway, what happened to her was she, she got out of jail. They, I think she was only in jail for a few years. And then within a few weeks, the ice guys came and got her for, uh, to deport her. So I yeah. think she's, she's on the road to getting deported. But, uh, is that a series or a movie? That one's a series uh, and it's dramatized. So you got your, uh, Julia, 
Julia something or other plays her and she does a great job and her accent, you go, well, that's weird. But the real Anna Delvey has a weird accent too. Cause it's kind of manufactured. It's kind of mm. put on. Mm. So, uh, the real Anna Delvey says that Julia did a great job on, uh, doing her accent. So <laughs> it's pretty fun to watch. She got paid to say that they go to Morocco to the, possibly the world's most expensive hotel. And she stiffs her friend in Morocco. Yeah. Like I just, the whole thing, like to me, it just sounds like all of that. Every time I just even hear it, it's stressful just to think of you're trying to avoid that person. You're trying to get away with something. And it's, I really struggle to imagine just being at peace with all that. It's just, yeah, it's just nothing. It's not a thing at all. Well, I think the three of us have a lifestyle that doesn't invite itself to getting scammed. Like, I don't know. What, you mean hiding in a basement and driving really old cars? That that, part? That would be it, too. (laughs) Too. I guess. But I guess if you met someone who was suddenly paying for all kinds of cool stuff, I guess it would be tempting, would it not? I I think anybody who does not imagine they are vulnerable to being defrauded or lied to or anything else is a fool. I think everybody is vulnerable to that. Every normal person, at least. Especially as we get older. Yeah, because you have, you're needier. You are or, more, or more trust, more trusting too, I think. But that reminds me of the guys and gals in the parking lot down by the opera house before the opera. And they get dressed up like they're, I'm pretty sure they're homeless people, but somehow they find a fur and some nice shoes maybe, and they comb their hair. And they say, oh, my Mercedes, I've, I've lost the keys or I've locked them in there. Can you, you know, all, all those scams. And I'm, I'm, I, it just makes me smile to watch them work, man. Yeah, because you, have you actually seen them at work? Oh, those, the, yeah, sure. I've had that done to me a couple times. A lot of it happens around theater, like uh, at the Playhouse and stuff. When the crowd is rich, or yeah, the symphony or the opera, and a guy said uh, he's locked his keys in his Mercedes or whatever, and can you give me cab fare because my wife's in labor? And I said, "Really? <laughs> well, come on, I'll drive you there." Oh no 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 no! I no you don't. No, I can do that. I got time, man. And you know all that's a that's a good answer. That's the, great. The scam but is you, spoiled, <laughs> right? But were you were you trying to catch him out, or uh, or it was just because you thought you would be helpful and drive him there? Well, I, I first of all, if your wife's in labor, what are you doing out at the opera, anyways? For one thing, no, 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 no. My wife's in just she's in the hospital, and he's got to go there. Oh, he, no, he's not taking her. He just right. needs to go. Oh, okay, but yeah. so uh, I think this was the f- is a valid question. The, this one was the first time, and I thought, well, you suspect <laughs> that you're being scammed, but yeah. that's I thought, well, if this is how to prove it, right? Because I like I literally was ready to drive this guy to the hospital if that was his story. Yeah. I can do that for you, buddy, and that yeah, that ended rather quickly after that. Well, that's good. I'm gonna put that in my toolkit. <laughs> Yeah, I've never had that experience before. You're not going to the opera enough, Skinny. Evidently, yes. And I I have to be candid. I don't see it on my horizon anywhere. (laughs) 
Never Say Never. If you get a chance to watch Carmen, that's a great opera. <laughs> okay. I have a terrible history with back in the days of my youth, we'd go to the lake. Almost every weekend we'd go to the lake and the lake has radio. That's all you have. No TV and only CBC. And every Saturday afternoon, CBC would opera. play at the opera. Texaco, the Met, and oh my goodness. Just, you know, okay, I think I'll go out into the blazing sun and throw rocks <laughs> into the lake. Just rocks. No purpose. Nothing. <laughs> anything. Mosquito bites are more entertaining than listening to the Met. But there are some that have really catchy melodies in them. Yeah, the melodies are... Yeah, Tori Adore, what's that from? I can't remember. I don't know. But And then there's the, Bugs, there's the Bugs Bunny one, the Barber of Seville. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so those are entertaining there's, just because the music is good. Catch Go the wabbit, catch the wabbit. <laughs> Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> yes, it's all spiraling out of control again. Um, there is one of you out there who actually went to our website and followed the links and looked at the video of the robot server and sent us a note. So you other listeners who never do that, just know that it's a thing you can do and it can be interesting enough that you actually send a note to us about it because that also happens. So I th- I'm trying to decide, have any of you guys ever eaten the yard-long hot dog at, an, at a Canadian's game? No, I'm not going to do that. I did, I've never heard of a yard-long hot dog. <laughs> I thought you were joking about it. I like how he just immediately writes it off. I mean, if you are the kind of guy who might eat three hot dogs through the course of the game, yeah, then that might make sense. But for one thing, the last two-thirds of it are going to be just stone cold when you eat them. That's true. It doesn't matter how fast you eat it. They're going to be yeah. just, but I just like the idea of a yard long hot dog. I'll bet you yard long hot dogs are kind of like two by fours in that they're really two and a half feet long. I can't believe, why Why are you such a <laughs> cynical guy? Because I, I know, what happened a, to you in I life? know for a fact that foot long hot dogs are 11 inches long. That's why I'm such a cynical guy. The next thing you're going to tell me is you never believed in Santa ever. You just, when they told you about it when you were three years old, you just said, dad, that's BS. Is that right? And I bet you're also going to tell me, first thing you told your kids when they understood spoken word, Santa, not real. Well, I tell you, I always wanted to go up Magnetic Hill. (laughs) And when you found out that it was a delusion, did you immediately tell everyone? Because in Rosslyn, you would see those bumper stickers, right? And you you know, it's bogus, but... So we, there we are at Magnetic Hill, got the kids in the car and, uh, let the brake off. And there we are rolling uphill. It's just amazing. <laughs> so get to the top. I turn around. You guys want to know how it works? Hannah's like, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Hannah. I just kind of wrecked it for them. Yeah. I think I told it. I I told, I think I said it's an optical illusion before they even had a chance to say that. Yeah. And then I realized after, oh man, you know, you gotta just. Yeah. You gotta believe that baby's three feet long, not two and a quarter or whatever you would say. Maybe it's, maybe it's 33 inches. Maybe it's three inches short of a full yard. 
Is that enough to really quibble over, Rich? Is it? <laughs> so I think the three-foot hot dog is kind of like the heart attack diner in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I think that still one of my life goals is to see Sea Lion Caves for the same reason you wanted to see Magnetic Hill. And People in town when I was a kid often had a sticker that said, we saw sea lion caves. Yes. And Sue and I went and saw sea lion caves for exactly that reason. That's excellent. Was it worth it? I think you told me it was pretty great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You get to, you know, you need kind of need binoculars to get the best view because you're, you're on a cliff that's opposite those caves for obvious reasons. You don't want to get too close into the sea lion caves or anything, but yeah, it was pretty, very cool. Okay. Yeah. I've also stood on Paul Bunyan's boot. <laughs> the trees of mystery in California. Oh, oh yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time when I was a kid, we'd drive past that. I'm just like, oh, can we, can we get out? Can we get yeah. out? I just loved being near the giant Paul Bunyan. That was another um, bumper sticker that you would see. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And Glenn Jeez. and Mary were there and they, uh, they brought me back some little, you know, Paul Bunyan and babe the blue ox magnets for the fridge. I treasure those. Well, I kissed the Blarney stone, but no bumper stickers for that. No bumper stickers. So is there a trick to not getting your uh, saliva intermixed on the old Blarney stone? No, but it's okay because the helpful attendant has an extremely filthy rag that he wipes the stone (laughs) with immediately before you kiss it. It's just... And apparently, like that was 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And apparently it is much different now. Yeah. Like 45 years ago, there was some slight possibility that you could slip down and fall. Like, Oh, right, right. But, and somebody's sitting on your legs and you're not really at real risk. But if you tried hard enough, you could fit through that space and fall. But I think now it's totally, it's totally bulletproof. Yeah, Hannah, I think Hannah was in a lineup to do that uh, when she's on a band trip to Ireland. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, you got to be upside down, right? Yeah, yeah you got to hang over upside down with your face facing outwards because right. that's where the stone is. We've come to the end, sadly, of another fine, fine outing in the virtual shed. <laughs> hope that we've allowed you to pat <laughs> RJ's not not succeeding in suppressing his tears. We hope that you're not crying. We'll be back. Don't you worry. There's our back catalog. You know, this is episode 137. I'm pretty sure if you go back through there, you might find, possibly, that there's a couple of gaps in your coverage of our oeuvre. See, I've been waiting about two years to say oeuvre with regard to our stuff. It's pretty I gotta have a cigarette. Just anyway, anyway. Sorry, I digest. Take care of yourselves, you guys. Make sure and come back and see us again pretty soon, real soon. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to uh, talking at you again soon. Boys, say good afternoon. Good afternoon, Dick. Good afternoon. (laughs) Vietnam. Yeah, or whomever. Who knows where this is being heard?